0: finish off this series that we've been doing about thinking. So we've been doing this series... i got a cool backtrack. <laughs> um, we've been doing this series called You Think, which has been based on Romans 12, the first two verses, which talk about, um, based on everything God's done for us, we don't want to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind and how, how God wants us to think things in line with His will, not things that are, that are maybe just our culture and our world, that we live in as well, and it's been cool. We've had a few different thoughts. India started this talking about thinking and just how thinking matters and how we can think in our renewed mind by the Spirit. Um, Janelle spoke about um, the spiritual battle and how there's actually a real battle. There's actually angels and demons and Satan is real. Our culture doesn't say that, but this is what the Bible teaches, and we have to be aware of those things in our thinking as well. Last week, Josh spoke about perseverance and we need to think like Jesus did looking at the joy that was before him, going the distance, enduring and lasting. And this week, we're actually talking about how we need each other, that we need each other to keep us on track in our thinking. We need each other to do this Christian walk together. We need each other to support us. This is not something that we do alone. Um, So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started with the last one. Father, thank you so much that we can just be here right now together. Um, just a bunch of people, Lord, that um, have come to seek you and know you and love you. And God, I just I just pray that you'd speak through me now, Lord, just that you'd take these words, speak them into people's hearts or whatever they need to hear. God, would you apply it directly and personally um, and speak, speak through me, speak through your word. Just pray this in your name. Amen. So we're thinking about thinking and and, and how we need each other. And I found it to be true in my life that the times when my thinking has been the worst, when, when it's gotten dark, when it's even gotten strange, it's gotten irrational, the, the times when it's been like that have often been times when I've been isolated, when I've been cut off from other people. Um, there was a time, the main time that I can think of in my life like this was a few years ago um, when I first started full-time work. So I used to um, go to a church in the city for a bit and I was studying to be a teacher and I was living at a share house which is where I moved when I moved out of home to this, this place in Woolowin. And it was really good, and I loved living out of home, and I loved, loved being in the share house with some other friends. But then I started work as a teacher, and I loved work. I loved teaching. This whole sort of year, my first year of teaching was just, didn't feel like work at all. Like I didn't feel like I had a bad day. I just, was, just completely gave myself to it. I loved teaching the kids. I loved the freedom. I loved the responsibility. I, I just really enjoyed it. And, and when I was at work, things were really... Good, but I found that in that year, the rest of my life was not. And what had happened was I'd moved from this share house, and I'd ended up moving in with another teacher um, to, to be closer to the school. I'd actually left that church, and I'd come back here. And and I, although I had friends here, I wasn't really a part of the community and connected. And and I had friends, but but I had had a whole lot of struggles and things that I was dealing with that I just wasn't sharing with anybody. I just wasn't walking through with anybody. And I didn't want to. I wanted to do it myself. I wanted to be self-sufficient. I wanted to be independent. And But in that year, when, when I wasn't at work, things were just bad. And I can remember even trying to socialise with people, going out to a party with people and seeing friends and just coming home feeling terrible about myself, thinking terrible thoughts, just feeling cut off and finding life just really difficult. This was even true, again, was just a couple of years ago, just after Tam and I got married, I was just dealing with some stuff and, and I was working it through... With her, But I just, I just didn't talk to other people about it. And I, and I thought about this once I started to, to get through some of it. And I just thought, why wasn't I talking to other people about it? I just wasn't sharing things and working through things. I was, again, it was another season of being isolated. And the Bible talks about this as well and agrees that being alone, being cut off, is actually not good. We see this in Ecclesiastes. This, this, this verse is often read out of weddings, but it's, but it's just true not just in marriage, but in, in terms of not being alone. It says, two are better than one. Because they will have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, the Bible agrees with this idea that, that isolation, that being cut off, being alone, is actually not good for us. And I think often we might know that and kind of believe that even but but may, maybe we don't often like it that we don't often like the fact that that we need other people that that we need community because it can be difficult and it can be hard and 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 sharing and journeying and walking through things with people means vulnerable and it's difficult so we we may sometimes sort of sit there, and I often have in the past especially and, and even still in some days now just feel like. That this is hard, it's not something I really want to do. But we may even not even really believe this. We might believe that, well, actually, I know God. Like I, I know Jesus. I don't need people. If I if I have God, if I have a relationship with Him, if I'm if I'm perfectly, if I'm not, not perfectly, but if I'm connected to Him now, I'm justified, I have the Holy Spirit, God is all I need, surely. I don't actually need people. I mean, people is good. It's good to have people, but but God is all we need. We sing songs like this. We sing songs that say, all I need is you. We sing songs that say, Christ is enough. And we even see this in, in the Bible. The Bible teaches this truth as well, that God is all we need, that God is sufficient. And the book of Colossians, the point is really this, from the whole book, is that Jesus is sufficient. We have all that we need in Jesus. And it says this in this verse, for in him, that's Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, that all of God's fullness is in Jesus, and you have been filled in him. This is this idea of fullness in him, who is the head and rule of all authority. And this verse is, 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 is about the fact that we all we ha- need is in Jesus. So how, how does this work then, that, that it seems like God is all we need, but when we don't have people, think things often seem difficult and seem bad. and And... Often we might sort of sit and believe this and even think going to people for help is wrong, that we should get our help from God. I've got this book by Henry Cloud. I talked about him the other week. He's got some really awesome stuff. This is called 12 Christian Beliefs That Can Drive You Crazy. And this is one of these beliefs that he talks about, which is this, that if I have God, I don't need people. And he tells this story in this book of a friend that he had named Ray, and this man had a similar situation to me, that he, he, he was in, in a season that he was consumed with work. He was, he's a Christian, and he was in business, and he went through this period of just being, being overwhelmed with the amount of work that he needed to do in his business. And he, he was feeling overwhelmed, and he was struggling, but he could see other people were also overwhelmed and struggling. So he didn't, he didn't talk to people about his need, but he just kept giving and giving. He thought, I shouldn't have my need met if other people have needs. I just need to keep giving and giving. And he went through this season, and because of this, because he was constantly pouring out himself, he, he started to feel depressed. And eventually, he went to some of his friends, and he asked, asked, asked them for help. And their advice was, you need to get away. You need to, you need to reconnect with God. You need to go away and pray. You need, to, you need to spend some time away just in his word and reconnect, rekindle the relationship with God. So this is what he did. He, he decided to go away and pray and read the Bible, and seek God, and cry out to God. And this is what he was doing. And as he was doing this, it didn't help. He he still felt in this state of depression. It even started to get worse, so so worse that he got to a state where he'd basically given up, and he was ready to end his life. But he decided, I'm going to do one last-ditch attempt, and he left his family. He moved away to, to another city, rented an apartment, and thought, this is it. I'm just going to seek God. I'm going to cry out to God. This is my last... Pope, and he did that. He was on his knees praying. He was reading his Bible. He was seeking God, and nothing helped. And he he was he was re- ready making plans that that was it. But then someone knocked on his door, and it was his neighbor. His neighbor's name was Bill, and Bill just wanted to borrow a Phillips head screwdriver. He just happened to knock on his door and ask if he had one. And he came in, and he seemed interested. And and Ray just started to share some of the stuff that he was going through. Bill wasn't a Christian. He just seemed interested and he just listened. And, and, and Ray just started to talk about the situation with his work. He started to talk about the situation that, that he just faced with his family, difficulties growing up, difficulties in his life. And Bill just listened, accepted, and was, it was there for him. And then then they went out to dinner, and Bill started to share, and they started to share and support their stories with each other. And this this guy, this Christian who'd isolated himself, came into this community of people who were not Christians. Some of them were, but there was also non-Christians, and it wasn't really based around God, but it was this community of people who were, were sharing and walking through and journeying through each other's struggles together. And he said in that place, he started to feel better. And he actually started to want to pray and started to want to seek God. And he spent some time working through these difficulties that he was going through and, and eventually got to a point where he was ready to start his life again and go, and go back and, 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 and go back to work and go back to his family. But he comes to Henry Cloud and, and, and he says to him, why am I better? I, I was seeking God. Surely God is enough, but it was only when I was in community with people who weren't even Christians that I got better. Does that, does that mean God is not enough? And, and you can see there's this tension that, that, that sometimes we face, that, that we believe that God is enough, but it seems that we actually really need people, that we need community. So what I want us to do tonight, I'm gonna, we're going to go through some passages in the Bible and, and try to make sense of this tension and try to work out what, what is it and what, how can we make sense of it. And um, th- then we'll go through and sort of have a look at what does this mean for our lives. As well. So we're gonna start right at the start with Genesis. And there's some something pretty amazing in Genesis that I'd read before, but thinking about this and planning for this, realized just how amazing this is and how just how much it disproves this belief. And that's what I'm that's what I'm really wanting you to see. That this belief, if I have God, I don't need people, is not true. This is Genesis chapter two. So so Genesis chapter one and two, God has created everything, He's created the earth, the sun, the moon. He's created the animals, and now he's created Adam, but not yet Eve. And then this is what God says to Adam. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So Adam and Eve have not sinned yet. There's no sin in the world God has said that everything He's made is very good, and Adam is in Eden, connected to God. There's no sin between Adam and God, but God says this: the Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone." You realize how amazing that is. That 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 God, Adam was with God. There was no sin, and yet God says this is not good. But look at what happens look at what god does he says i will make a helper fit for him and and what what it's really saying is that god is enough but god decided to meet adam's need through a person that adam was trusting and depending upon god and god met his need but not directly but through creating eve this is what keep going keep going it says now out of the ground the lord god had formed every beast of the field And every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and the birds and the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So God has decided, I'm going to bring someone to be with Adam. And he brings him all the animals and they don't fit, which shows that you can't just have God and your pets either. You can't just have God and cats that it's not enough either. And and so then God causes a deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And this is what Adam says. Listen to it. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. That at Adam being in Eden with God, he still needed someone with flesh and bones to be near. He still needed a real human to be close to. That that God has designed things so that he's enough. He meets the need. He, he was the one who provided for the need, but he provided it through a real person. We see as well that, that, that this sort of belief that says, if I have God, I don't need people, is, is kind of in some ways, almost a denial of, of our humanity. It's this sort of trying to escape our humanity just to this sort of spiritual this world that just the spiritual is what's really important, just that the life here and now, that the nuts and bolts of life, the flesh and blood, this sort of stuff is not really what it's about. It's just about escaping and being with God. But, but what we believe as Christians it, it, it is not that, is not this sort of just spiritual religion, but it, it's so earthy and flesh and blood. And we see that because what we believe is that for God to truly reveal Himself to us, that He too had to come in flesh and blood. That that God with us in Jesus is actually God with us in human form. That he actually became a human to reveal himself to us and to be with us. And that Jesus, even in this place, seems as though he needs people. This is this is when Jesus was about to be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. This says, Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even to death, remain here and watch with me. That Jesus, in this last hours, wanted some friends nearby watching with him. And if Jesus needs people, then we definitely do as well. God in the flesh still wanted someone there with Him. Now, now, we, so we believe that Jesus was here, that He was present with us in the flesh, but He's not anymore. That that after He rose from the dead, He ascended to heaven, and He sent His Spirit. But but His Spirit is not just and again just a spiritual sort of strange thing. His, his spirit is a person who now lives in us, and we are the flesh and blood now. We see this as, as in the New Testament, it talks about the body of Christ, that Jesus' body is not here anymore, but we are His body, that the church is His body. This is what it says in Ephesians, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up every way into Him who is the head so Christ is the head of the body, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This idea that, that now God's plan for us is, is, again, it's not that we're isolated, separate, just, just me and God, sort of spiritual, but that we're actually in a community which is the body of Christ, which again is, is flesh and blood is, is, is hands-on, in the same way that Jesus, when he was here, and like Josh was saying before, he healed people, he embraced people, he, f- he cared for people, he fed people. It was so practical, it was so earthy. And that in the same way that we are now his hands and feet, and we are to do that for each other, and we are to do that for the world, and God is actually doing that through us. So we see that this idea that if we have God, we don't need people is actually not true, but that God designed us to need each other. God is enough. The songs that we sing are right. He is enough, but He doesn't always meet our needs directly. He is enough, but we still need food, and He provides it. He is enough, but we still need sleep, and He provides it. And He is enough, and He has designed things that we actually need human relationships, and He provides them. So He is enough, but not Him only, cutting off His resources, cutting off the way that He's decided to work. I found this to be true for me as well when I was living in that place in Roswell, and things things were really difficult. um, I... I started to learn this. I started to learn that, that God has actually not made us to be self-sufficient, that He actually doesn't want us to be completely independent and, and not needing anybody else. He doesn't want us just completely dependent on people either. but He does want us to have, have needs that we actually need other people. We actually need community. We actually need relationship to journey, to share, to do life together. And I started to read and I started to learn about this throughout this year. And as it got to the end of that year, um, I had to move out of the house because the teacher that I, that I was living with, he, he, he had to get rid of the lease. I had to find a place to live. And, and I was looking and praying and hoping for a place to live that I could have more community, that I could have a place to actually belong. And what happened was we had this house that a lot of you guys might know, some of you guys don't know. This, this picture is just from like Google Street View. This is, this is a picture of the Holy House which is just a strange name. I don't even know why we called it that. But, but this was a house in Coombeau that a few guys from this church used to live in. Dave Crump, who goes here in the mornings, he owns it now. And um, this was just an awesome house for community. This was just a place where people just used to hang out. People lived together. People just did life together. People had prayer nights there. It was, it was just an amazing place. And, and, and I, I was living in this place in Rothwell, and I was, not, I was disconnected from community, I was struggling, and, and at the end of that year, there was a place free at the Holy House, and they were able to walk me in, and I got to live there. And I felt like God was providing for my needs. I felt like God was taking me. I was isolated and cut off, and he was putting me into community, and, and he, was, he was connecting me to others. And I, and I still had struggles, and it wasn't like we were just like, super close and everything's awesome all the time. I, I was still fairly independent in a lot of ways. But, but in that place, I did flourish a lot more. And, and, and it felt like this was what God had done, and this is the way that God had provided for my needs. So He is enough, but He does provide for our needs through people, through others. So if, if that's true for us then, that that, that His plan then is that, that, that us, the church, the body of Christ, actually be that, that we actually be a community that is not just... Fake that is not just come to church and go home. That is not just just say you're fine and say everything's good when it's not. That we don't want to be like that. That that we are actually here to be the hands and feet of God to each other in a way, to actually share and communicate God's love to each other, to support each other with with the gifts that He has given us, with the with the with the knowledge that He has given us. We actually want to be that. How can we be that? How can we start? To live that out. And what I would want to go through is just a few ideas from Romans chapter 12 about how we could move towards having that kind of community and, and living that out. And we already do it, but how we can do it better as well. So this is from Romans chapter 12, verse 3. So we've been going through Romans thinking about not being conformed to this world. But then Paul starts talking about this and he says we need to think rightly about ourselves. This is what he says. Straight after those first two verses, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It's interesting. As soon as Paul's finished talking about not being conformed to this world but be transformed, he starts to talk about humility. He starts to talk about not having this inflated, view of ourselves. In the context, he's talking about spiritual gifts, and he's talking about things that God may have given us, like faith. And he's saying that, that we need to realize that God has given us those things. They're nothing to boast about. They're nothing to say that we're better than people. What he's, he's saying as well, I think, is just that pride is an issue in community, that we, that we need to think rightly about ourselves. And I, and I think that often, this is one of the big things that breaks down the community. And I think it can happen in two ways. One is that we, we are proud and deny that we actually need each other. That, that, that we think, I don't need you. I don't want to need you. I don't want to need help. And, and that, that might be a normal thing to feel, that we want this desire to be self-sufficient. But, but the truth is we do need it. And Paul's to think rightly, think rightly about ourselves and acknowledge that. Another thing that we might think, wrongly, is that, that we, we get consumed with ourselves and think that our need, our, our desires, are more important than everybody else's. Our gifts are more important. Our things are more important. And you can imagine that if everyone in a community comes thinking that, it's not going to work. That we actually need to think rightly about ourselves and, and our place amongst this body. As well, though, community, in a sense, when, when we're living in this sort of, if I just have God, I don't need people, Community can, can, can be scary and threatening because this idea of humility, it can humble us, that when we actually come into contact with real people, it can actually sometimes blow out the thoughts that we had about ourselves, and we, we realize that we're actually not as spiritual as we thought, we realize that we're actually not as close to God, we're actually not as loving, we're actually not as caring and forgiving as we thought. And actually, for that to be blown out is actually good, because then we think rightly, and we're able to grow. But this, this quote I want to read is from Mark says, and he's quoting another guy, but he's talking about this and talking about it in the context just of our society even, and people not wanting to commit to community, people not wanting to commit to churches or institutions because of this. This is, this is what he says. So this is a guy called R- Rollheiser writes, what church community takes from us is our false freedom to soar unencumbered like the birds. Believing we are mature, loving, committed, and not blocking out things that we should be seeing. Real church going soon shatters this illusion and gives us no escape, as we find ourselves constantly humbled as our immaturities and lack of sensibility to the pain of others are reflected off eyes that are honest and unblinking. Ultimately, we fear church because it crushes Christian Gnostics, Gnosticism is this idea of it's just spiritual. We just need to escape the body. It crushes that, and they pick up their bruised and beaten bodies and discover that they are not gods, but humans fearfully and wonderfully made. That community can actually, in some ways, crush this false idea we have of ourselves. But that's actually good. We actually need to think rightly about ourselves. this I was thinking about this as I was just driving here, but this. this is so true, this reflected off eyes that are honest, and I'm blinking. When I, when I left this church, um, I, I just was in a season when I was just a bit intense and just strong on stuff and just sort of thinking this is right and this is wrong and everything it Rivers is wrong. And, and that's, that's kind of just where I was at. And I went to this church that was very conservative. And, um, and the pastor there, though, was not. And he was, he was, he was quite laid back and relaxed, and he was just trying to turn things around, and he was an awesome guy. And I went there complaining about this church and complaining about stuff. And and he did that. He just he just didn't respond. He just he just looked at me and he just it was like this, like eyes just unblinking. And that actually shut me down. That 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 actually being in a community like that actually just revealed to myself, oh, I don't even have grace for people. I'm just judging people, I don't have love. And, 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 and I, that was a defining moment for me that actually just shifted everything. And all, all it was was just someone coming face to face and they didn't have to say anything. They just didn't say anything. And that, 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 that can actually reveal ourselves to us so we think rightly about ourselves, but that's actually good. We don't want false ideas about ourselves. Paul keeps going in Romans, and, and I'm taking from this that we need to think rightly about others as well. He says, for in one body... We have many members, this idea of many different people or different different parts of our bodies. The members do not all have the same function. So we have hands, we have feet, we have all different parts of our body. And we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. That, that to be the body of Christ is to actually realize that others are not the same as us, that, that when we come Sometimes there's this, this, this pull and desire that we just want everything to, people to see everything the way we see it. We want them to, to like and value the things we like and value. But, but the beauty of the body, the way that God has designed it so that we actually need each other, is that we're different. He's actually planned that, that we have different gifts, different parts, different understandings even or emphases about God, different different things and passions on our heart. And that that's actually good, and that the thing to do is to think rightly about others, to realize that their difference is actually good, and to affirm them in it, and to realize that our difference is actually good, Then they have something we need, and we have something they need, and that actually brings this bonded oneness and relationship that he desires. We see this even in, like, an orchestra, that, that the goal, if you can imagine what an orchestra can accomplish because of their difference, because there's different instruments, because there's different parts, and when they come together, they produce this amazing music that they couldn't produce by themselves. But I, I, was, I don't know about this. This is just my thought. But I was just thinking about this this afternoon as well. Why doesn't the Bible use an orchestra? It uses a body. And maybe it's because when you think about it, an orchestra is actually just lots of individuals that come together to play some, a music, some, a, play a song. And, and they do join together, and they're close, and they create something beautiful, but actually lots of individuals together, whereas a body is primarily one. Your, your body is not lots of parts that come together, but it's one that has lots of parts. And and what the Bible keeps emphasizing is that we are one. It doesn't, it doesn't say that we should just be one or try to accomplish oneness, but that we are one in Christ, and therefore we should live as one, that, that this is actually how God has designed it. But the oneness has different parts that work together like a body. So we need to think rightly about ourselves. We need to think rightly about others in the community that we're in. And then we don't just need to think about stuff but actually do. And that this this Paul then starts to talk about practical loving actions that can only be done in community, that are actually about loving others. And there's so much in the New Testament that's about the other, that loving one another, This is what he says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Paul's talking about so many just hands-on, practical, loving things that can only be done with other people that can only be done in community, and that this is actually God's desire, that he, he, he puts us in a community that we love, and that this love is shared and supported, and he, he is even loving us through each other and meeting our needs as well. So we see that God designed us to need each other, that He is enough, but that, and He can meet our needs directly but he often chooses not to. That He's actually designed things so that we actually need to depend upon each other and grow together and walk together. And this, all that he does for us in this, in this community that he gives us, and the, the, the things that he calls us to, again, are all a response and are all based on grace. You see, when Paul is writing Romans, the whole first 12 chapters, India said this a few weeks ago, is about God's plan and God's grace and God's mercy. And then he says, in light of that, offer your body to God. And then he says, in light of that, you've been given a gift that's by grace. You are to love and show grace to others. And we even need His grace and we need His strength to be able to do this, to be able to love each other, to be able to care for each other, because it's not easy. It's, it's difficult, and it's hard. And, and it's easy to just be like, I'm done with church. It's just too hard. But he says that, that as we've received grace, we're to show grace. We're to show grace to each other. We're to commit. We're to endure. We're to stay together because this is his plan to use the body. There's not another plan. This, this is his plan that we actually grow and live in this place together as one. So maybe if you guys doing the music to want to jump back up, and just as we're thinking about how to respond um, in this time, I don't know how, how maybe this this sort of resonates with you. Maybe, maybe you're someone who has been isolated from people and, and needs to realize that you just need people and, and, and need, need to actually come and, and, and ask for help or, or, or ask God to, to provide someone and seek that out. Um, maybe maybe if someone who's sort of just been been on the edge of community and, and and ready just to give it up and thinking, I just need God. I don't need other people. And and we need to come to a place where we realise that this is God's plan, that we need each other and we actually need to commit to each other. And we actually need to stay together and love each other. Um and and if if there's something else that's just on your heart in this time, you can just respond to that as well. Um I'm just going to pray, but but after that, as we start singing, John and Wendy are here to pray for anyone who would like prayer for anything. It doesn't have to be related to, to what we're talking about. It could be for healing. It could be for anything else. If you guys want to maybe just come and stand up on the side. And this is the thing. We, we can sort of stand and say, I just need God, but, but God can meet our needs through each other. You can come and receive prayer from John and Wendy that day. It's actually God ministering to us through them as well um so i'm just going to pray and then then we'll sing and we can respond to father um thank you so much for the community here that we have lord thank you so much god just for how you give us each other um thank you god that that you've designed things that we need each other and um, thank you that you just provide for our needs lord and yeah, we just say we, we, we thank you that you we have all that we need in you, but that you've just planned it so we need each other as well, Lord. Um, so I just pray that you'd speak to us still in this time. Just lead us and guide us and, and, and show us your good and perfect will for our lives. We pray in your name.